All right. Cheers, Emily. We're uh, starting. This has been a, a long time coming. It's been about a month yeah. since our last We both drank podcast. the beer at the same time. That's what you're supposed to do when you uh, <laughs> cheers. <though. laughs> We're supposed to make eye contact, cheers. Some people hit the table. And then, and then cheers and hit the table again, then pound it. That's what Ooh. fraternities do. <laughs> oh, is that a thing? Okay. <laughs> they have chugging contests where you're like, up, down, up, down, up, drink. And then I'm just always like, how many up, downs are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what is the... Yeah. Uh, I feel like whenever I go to those college parties, it's like in that, it's always sunny in Philadelphia when they, when... Uh, and they're super old. Yeah, when they go back to the frat house or whatever and they just like torture them. Anyway, um, it's been a long time for us. Uh, we've been super swamped. We've played... I think maybe the most shows we've played in a month since we started really going after we this band thing. We played in June. It's currently June. Like real bands are going to be like, hold my beer. Hold, yeah, yeah, right. I know every time I'm like, oh, we played. Um, yeah. I was chatting with uh, Casey's uh, boyfriend, Alan, and he's a, he's like a traveling sound guy for a band. Yeah. Um, and I said something about, I was like, yeah, man, I'm exhausted. We're doing like, you know, I have like eight shows in the next like, three weeks and then I was like that probably doesn't sound like shit to you huh yeah. <laughs> and he's like well you know if you're like working and doing everything else yeah. you know then it does sound like a lot and I was like yeah but yeah since the 21st of May I did a sh- I did a show on the 21st a little solo show and since then we've had one Two. and then we did a couple rehearsals and then we did two more shows on the 24th 25th played a sh- played a two show night on the 28th blue note and then uh, we played, played the Starry Plow. Yeah. Then we played Brewsters and Petaluma. And then Bruce we played Donkey Dez. and Goat and last then, Friday night. And then we put, Stu and I played yesterday at Original Pattern it's Brewery so in Oakland. It's so fun playing those little like acoustic acoustic gigs. Again. It's super chill. Well, yeah. I I redid our list today, and we have forty one songs that we currently do acoustic. And I'm sure we know more. Yeah. TBH because we've been playing together for so long. Totally. Um, if we wanted to like bust out like some really old radio keys originals we totally could like but we just don't need to and we (laughs) played it was funny yesterday we played midnight special for the first time in i don't think i'm exaggerating like five years and we just winged it no it was fine i thought it was (laughs) fine like we remembered the words and you did the guitar parts right so i thought it was fine it was all right it it was i just kept missing the ever love and light part i was like and you did it and i didn't do it it sounded like i'm like ever loving (laughs) we do it like credence do it do it and they do it on the on the they do the chorus they like sing it through kind of twice it, they do it one time over like the four chord, then another time over the five chord. Yeah. And it's like over the five chord, do they always say ever love and light? And I, do, I was just like, ever love and you're like light. Ever. And then it was just kind of like a weird little, you know, disconnect. That's a, I mean, that's a good transition to what we're, yeah, I was gonna we're say. talking about. I, I, and I, I was really familiar too. with the Odetta version. So when I started mm-hmm. singing it, I started doing her lyrics, which are more like Lead Belly's lyrics. Yeah. Um, but freaking everyone and their mom has covered that song I learned today. Including us now. Including us now. <laughs> I'll read the list later. It's really insane. So today we're going to do <laughs> a rewind episode. And if you've listened to us before, you know that usually what we do is um, we kind of introduce underground bands to the listener. It's kind of what we do. Yeah, which we're still going to do. It's and fun and yeah, we want to keep doing it. Yeah, it's just so tough to like obtain permission from artists and you and really find, have to hunt them down. Yeah, and find artists that are underground enough that we also really, really love. Although we're constantly finding people. It's just, but I, I think, yeah, the harder part is is being able to like reach out to them, get a hold of them, 
Get their written, yeah. like, express permission so we don't get sued. Find their freaking contact information. Yeah. I really want to do the, Sol- the Soledad brothers, and I can't figure out how to get a hold of them. Yeah, <laughs> so it's I have anyway, a it's, bunch it's, that I want to do. And me too, I yeah. think eventually down the road, we might just start doing these more and more and um, and use artists when we can get when them. When we can get them, yeah. And even if we don't, excuse me, even if we don't use, you know, re- uh, reviews all the time like we've been doing, we can still like maybe have like a little segment in the beginning or the end where we like have like a s- artist uh, like spotlight thing and we just talk about an artist for maybe like 15, 20 minutes without actually playing their music because that's like mm. where it gets sticky. That's you where know? it gets sticky. And I still want to do um, uh, maybe if you're still up for it, bring in uh, some other voices. Oh, uh, I'm definitely up for local that. Local musicians. I wanna I bring, wanna... Well, I'm about to move in with Alante. Oh, nice. So I was like, I should do a podcast with Alante every once in a while. You should, and you should do one with Tom, and I know what I want you and Tom to do, um, but I'll keep it a secret. But yeah, I think there's one that um, you and I talked about doing, and then I mentioned it to Tom, and he was like, oh, and he went on this whole thing, and I was like, oh, you you should talk to Stuart about this. Yeah. So yeah, Tom's got a, a lot of fun... Old man facts. <laughs> and um, saying, too. <laughs> and saying. The podcast world will love it. Um, love but today, it. like I think we mentioned earlier, we're going to do Lead Belly. Yeah, and we, I've always been fascinated with Lead Belly because he's just like this mythical character in, in music history that people obviously know more about him than Robert Johnson, for, you know, for example. There's just more... Uh, more information on him, I think, yeah. right? And, and more photos has a lot and more everything, more recordings. His story has so many different sides because he was like this like liberal darling, like political darling who was like doing folk music for like 1940s pol- political like protests and movements and stuff like that. Yeah. But then he's also this dude who's just like stabbing people in bars. And it's just like <laughs> this in- insane like dichotomy in his life where he's like this media darling. He's like working for the Library of Congress and like recording yeah. and like helping put down the American Southern folk tradition. And then at the same time, he's just like this intensely violent like psychotic and I mean just that true like artist you know who he reminds me of when I was reading about him do you know who Caravaggio is um, I, I've definitely heard of Caravaggio but I'm not like an art history he's like, well buff. I yeah he's this um, anyway painter um, and he was so goddamn good like he was doing these in- incredible realistic paintings for the church when he was like 17 18 19 20 years old um, and they were just obsessed with him you know he was like their their star child and um, he he killed someone I can't remember the story exactly <laughs> but he like got in a fight in Italy maybe killed somebody and then like fled and <laughs> just never somebody. got arrested. <laughs> I can't remember the exact story and I wish I, I should have looked it up before. Um, but I just remember that like in art history, we're like, Oh yeah. And then he killed this guy. Cause like he had this insane temper, uh, mm. not unlike lead belly where he would just, he was like this great artist and he knew he was like a great artist. He'd like go to the bars and be like, oh, I'm fucking Caravaggio, you know? And like, and they're all like, Whoa, dude. Everyone's like, dude, no one, no one cares. <laughs> he's like 22 and he's like, he's like Justin Bieber. He's like like he's star. like, he rocks. Yeah. yeah, like, and everybody loves him from like the church to like. I mean, the church is like the most important thing. So William Huddy, we believe we we came Huddy. to the conclusion Huddy led better. Yes. Um, and Huddy his date William. of birth is a little up in the air, right? So Huddy H U D D I E, and I guess um uh, people thought it was Hudi, but he he pronounces it on a track, uh, the Bull Weevil track, and he says Huddy. 
Um, so that's, yeah, that's what we're going Hoodie. with. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, last name is Ledbetter. And we'll, we can talk now about the, how he got the lead belly name or we can talk about well, it. I think we'll just later. cross that bridge when we um, get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously a similar name. Um, and yeah, he was born in either 1888 or 1889. It's, uh, it's up for debate because debate. <laughs> he filled out, yeah, he filled out his draft registration draft card for world war two, slightly different than what is on, uh, I don't know if it's his birth certificate or a census. I think like, huh. I think it was a census that showed his original birthday. Cause back then I guess it was kind of sketchy as to whether or not, you know, they actually when people were born. when they were actually born <coughs> yeah 1880s um yeah. and he was born in uh louisiana yes he was and he had a very a very i i said large family to you before but it looks like he was a younger of two children but i think he had a lot of like aunts cousins. and uncles and cousins and stuff like that yeah because there throughout his whole biography if you read it it's just like talking about like his uncle gave him an accordion and, and this his uncle and that uncle and this cousin, cousin yeah. died and he took care of the her kids and you yeah. know it's just like a bunch of it's a big family a big extended family yeah, yeah it seems like it so he played i think guitar very early i remember seeing that in 1903 he was what they used to call a musicianer which was kind of a cool word m-u-s-i-c-i-n-e-r yeah i saw that he was attending school in texas until he turned about 13 which would mm -hmm. be right around the turn of the century. Yeah. Um, and he said, uh, he played in a school band and was working, kind of working the land with his father. Um, and I don't know what he played in the school band, but th maybe the school band uh, kind of helped get well, him into music along with, you said, he his used uncle to play, gave him the Obviously the 12 string guitar, we talked about it earlier. We had like a little computer error. So if we repeat stuff, please forgive us. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> he played piano, mandolin, harmonica, violin, and then also the accordion. The accordion was his first instrument. His so first, he, yeah. I think he could have played any one of those in like a band. Maybe um, maybe not harmonica or mandolin, but definitely like piano and the school and band violin maybe, yeah. could have been a school It's cool band that there was a school thing. band back in yeah. 19. Well, people, I think people used to really like music back in the day. And I was like, mm. <laughs> they used to care. Well, yeah. it, was a it was a skill that mattered. You know, yeah. we needed entertainment in that way. And now it's well, like. There wasn't even recording. Like, there was very little recording technology back then. So I'm not 100% sure when those little, you know, those little things that look like sousaphones, what are they called? Um, oh, um, gramophones? Is that what they're called? The, the Victrola. They look like uh, yeah. the little record players. Yeah, when did those things come out? Like in the late 1800s? Uh, yeah. And I guess okay, radio so too. this is this is a, this is my reference. Do you remember the movie From Hell with Johnny Depp about Jack the Ripper? Oh yeah. Okay, so that's late eighteen hundreds, and they have those. They have the mm. record players. So that's the lamest version of me knowing something from history. <laughs> but like I, no, I, I like that. I think so that at least eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I think late eighteen hundreds right. they were able to start recording music. Okay, for sure. So he. So many what facts I was trying, on What this I was podcast. going to say, like the whole thing I was trying to say is, I'm not. Sh I think people had radio back then. Oh, but, radio was definitely before. But there was a period of time when it wasn't common for people to have, you know, record players and CD players and radios and 1877. YouTube. The phonograph and all this shit. was invented. Oh, there you go. So, but yeah, we didn't have my whole what you were saying so YouTube and all that, that shit. The spoken tradition, the the actual like, if your daughter could play <laughs> piano really well to the point where she could, you know, entertain parties. That was now do, her that job. Was, yeah. That was a huge fucking drop benefit. that girl out of school and, and just great. give her a job. And it great for you. <laughs> Isn't as, that cool? As a socialite, you know, if yeah. you had like a talented daughter or son who could do something. So, or you could play in the church, you know, or oh yeah. 
anyway, there were there was a lot. It seemed like back in the day, it was a more of a necessity. Because now we have like Spotify and everyone listens to it when they like work out or you know drive. It's just music, yeah. It's but music. It's everywhere. <laughs> you can get it any. It's you. You know, you can get it anywhere. It's ubiquitous. So it's like, yeah. It's not. I don't think that. I think that could be a huge reason why it's not as popular in schools anymore. And also, I think it might be just easier to learn with all of the resources that we have now, like with YouTube and you know just print media being everywhere being right. able to to look up anything at any time just google yeah. the chords for any song you want to learn yeah, you don't have to a, figure it out i mean know? as a guitar teacher i'm just like i tell people like my job with you is not to like sit here and teach you necessarily how to play like guitar it's to help you kind of streamline the process like you if you really want to play guitar you should be researching the heck out of it every yeah. day and like you're like, hey, I, so I looked up this thing on YouTube where it's like talking about hammer-ons and I'm trying to do a hammer-on, I just can't do it right. And then I'm like, oh, well, this is, you know, the, try it like Technique, this. Technique, yeah. And so I think that's more of the role of the teacher. More like the physical, today. just moving yeah. your hand. And like you'll show me Troubleshooting, an easier almost. way to play a chord because yeah. I'm playing it based on like looking at a picture of it online and you're like, well, this is actually easier. Yeah, um, but it so seems yeah. like Lead Belly was neck deep in music at a very young age and he dropped out of school it seems like to become a musicianer a musicianer musicianer <laughs> a musicianer let's bring that word back huh yeah like i'm a musicianer i'm a musicianer like, it sounds like a real it sounds job. way more serious yeah <laughs> it should be serious i play guitar <laughs> so and then um i guess at 16 i don't know what timeline you have but at 16 he sort of started traveling kind of maybe left home have, started traveling across I the deep 15. south i have it right before he started traveling okay yeah so apparently he um performed in shreveport a lot which if you've ever been to shreveport louisiana it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a port town a little bit. I remember passing through there, getting some delicious Cajun food. Oh, nice. And uh, the sh <laughs> we played a show, and it was um, in, like, a strip club, but there were no strippers. It was, like, before it became a strip club, maybe. It was just, like, <laughs> it, I don't know. So it was an interesting everywhere. thing. But, yeah, there's definitely, poles. like, this giant bridge, and then, like, Underneath the bridge, there's like this giant red river that I remember seeing. I remembered it looked like red dust. Like oh, cool. Yeah, it was pretty weird. But um, he so port towns are kind of famous for kind of like depravity and stuff well, because it's where, all the it's where people come. And there's and a lot of travel. People don't live there, and they're yeah. just getting off a boat for maybe the first time in a couple months, looking to have a good time. So there's a lot Party of like brothels, drinking, yeah. music, like all that kind of stuff. So fun. he started. Pl <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And where can we get to one that. of these port towns? No. <laughs> so uh, he was playing um, to audiences he, um, in St. Paul's Bottoms, which is a notorious like. Um, I'm reading this note for note, so hopefully we don't get sued. It's like a red light district, I guess, in Shreveport, and. Oh. Um, yeah, so he was yeah. playing with a lot of rough characters, it sounds like. And this is the age of, what, 15, 14? Yeah. yeah. So he was already playing saloons, brothels, dance halls. Just and he was that. supporting himself out there um, for like two years doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. Fannin Street, which uh, I think is, th there's a lot of famous songs about Fannin Street. I know there's a Tom Waits song where he talks about Fannin Street and... Hmm. Apparently, that was like one of the main rows in Shreveport where he was playing. And then at some point, I see 1912. Um, he's got a wife now. 
and he meets Blind Lemon Jefferson, um, who, if you don't know who that is, um, yeah, another street musician, big, big time blues guy. Yeah, big blues and then guy. they start playing together, and I think that's a big turning point. Um, so he's kind of um, his companion, protege, and they're playing on the streets of Dallas. And is this where they're in the Deep Ellum neighborhood now? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because that's... Be. Dallas, I remember, Deep, Deep Ellum is like... Because when Charlie there. Crockett was... We read that Charlie Crockett quote about all these people that came up in the Deep Ellum mm-hmm. neighborhood, and I was like, what? Everyone? Yeah, like, Jesus Christ. It's everybody? Yeah. <laughs> it's just everyone? <laughs> um, Lead Belly and... Yeah, so Lead Belly and Blind Lemon Jefferson, who I think is a little older, is my my impression. No, I think Blind Lemon's a little that's, younger. Oh, Blind Lemon's Yeah, Blind younger? Lemon's younger, I believe. Ah, Blind Lemon served as Blind... Um, let's see. So when was he born? So he was born in ni- 1893. Oh, that's... So he's mm. just slightly... Dude, I didn't realize... For some reason, I always picture someone else when I figure... He looks pretty... He, he kind of has like this Hodor look to him. Blind Lemon uh, Jefferson? Yeah. I co- <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Let me pull him up. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, he's... Aw. Question. Why does he have glasses if he's blind? Is he actually blind? He must just be a little blind, huh? He's... <laughs> borderline um this is offensive yeah it's interesting i don't know um so yeah so he uh he starts playing with uh with uh blind lemon jefferson great name yeah um do you think it's because his face is all lemon face like ooh Blind Lemon Jefferson. <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> Sorry, we're ripping Le- no, on his Blind name, Lemon. His name is Lemon Henry Jefferson. Oh, so his name is literally Lemon. Lemon. Wow. That's a great name. Let's bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, now it's all just Arias and Khaleesi's and shit. <laughs> and Tyrion's. Caden and Jaden. Yeah, Caden and Jaden. But yeah. the Caden and Jaden is like what... It, like girl names now, though. They're not. I know. They used to be boy names. Now they're girl names. <sighs> anyway, he was Deep Ellum, Blind Lemon. They're doing their thing. So, yeah, Lemon Henry and uh, <laughs> and and Huddy. And Lemon Huddy. and Huddy are buds, yeah. and they're hanging out in Deep Ellum. Um, and then, yeah, it's it kind of... Glo- every article I read about him kind of glosses over all the marriages. He's like, oh, and then he was living with his wife. And I'm like, wait, who? Um, so he's... From what I can tell is he was just... He was Getting married a lot. Big, <laughs> he was big, big into women and drinking and um, playing. This music. is why the marriages aren't working. Lead Belly was just all about hooking up with with chicks, oh. playing music, and getting hammered and getting into fights. That was like his. Whew. That was like his, his thing. mo. Yeah, that was his thing. <laughs> that's, his, that's his thing. Um, and I guess back in the day, it's like, what else are you gonna do? Yeah, there's... What else are you going to do? Like, what do they do every day? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to, like, you know... He'd probably play guitar for, like, hours a day. That's the thing that, that, that I envy about. I mean, there's really not a lot to envy about anybody growing up in, like, that time. Um... Mm. But and not to romanticize it and like completely, but you it's can like romanticize you do have, certain aspects I'll, of something. I'll romanticize the, the aspect thing. of just not being distracted by technology in a way that you can just sit and play guitar for you know. Oh all yeah, day. don't look at your uh, screen time usage on your phone. That's uh, I did recently. My uh, buddy at work he showed me how to uh, how to look of, at it, and he was like, he was like, oh, you've never looked here, you go, and I was like, I don't want. Like, I don't want to see this and I don't want you to see it. <laughs> so I was like, I'm embarrassed and I don't want you to see this. I looked at mine and it was too much. But I was like, I do a lot of like, I don't know. I feel like well, I we, listen to a lot yeah. of podcasts and stuff. And I think, oh. it, I think it counts that to a certain extent, especially if you have it open, like when you're driving or whatever. 
Yeah. So I, I think mine's a little skewed. Because well, I mine'll dole out like social media yeah. apart from Spotify, and so I just have to be. My Instagram wasn't that bad. Um, but anyway, but it was pretty bad. Freaking uh, <laughs> lead belly screen time was zero. So he had yes. his twelve string guitar, his brothels, his bourbon, and his brawls. That was a lot so of bees. I did it. I'm seeing here. Um, by the age of sixteen, brothels, he's, by the age of sixteen, bars. he's married with two kids and by 20 he's divorced I, was he actually divorced officially or was it one of those things where he's just like bye now bye now and I, like, divorce you, I divorce away. you I divorce you I divorce you I declare bankruptcy I declare, <laughs> I declare divorce um, uh, I don't think he's Jewish so I think that's a Jewish thing right <laughs> I divorce you thing um, I divorce you I divorce you I divorce you and that's a Jewish thing is it? I think I hope so. It's an, ongo- it's an ongoing it. joke with me and Tom. Yeah. We joke about divorce way too much. Um, anyway, <laughs> at, some, at a certain point, it's not a joke anymore. <laughs> it's we we both have the same wonderfully kind of like I wouldn't call it a dark sense of humor, but just like a really like dry. Yeah. So like he'll say something like, "Oh, babe, like they didn't have the marinara sauce." you like and I'll be like I want out of this marriage <laughs> so, <laughs> so that I mean that's how we joke I mean that's yeah so by 1903 he was great. playing music he was 14 so it He's takes 14. him a full 12 <laughs> years to actually begin uh, to get in prison for the first time so he made it all the way to the ripe old age of what 22 oh yeah wait what year did you say uh, 1915 uh, he's uh, 15, 25, 27. 27. How old is that? He's 20. He's 15. He's 27, 26. He's 20 no, our <laughs> podcast math is the worst. <laughs> so I mean, our normal math is the worst. Plus 10, plus 2. He's um, he's like 26 or 27. So that's not a bad amount of time without going to jail. Without going to jail yet. Yeah. Um, but he goes in a few times. So the first time he goes to jail was for punching a dude in the face and then pulling a gun in a bar and then beating somebody with a gun. That's it what I have. Over a, <laughs> it was probably drunk over a woman is what I assume. Okay. All right. Because a lot of his fights are due to like some kind of competition for like some woman's attention. And mm. it's almost always drunk. Yeah. Almost always. And there's obviously some that I've read about that are like racial tension shit, oh, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. of course there's going to be that. Yeah. So this one, he beat up this dude with a gun and, um, I mean, he didn't shoot him. Let's just, yeah. you know, that's pretty. But he was convicted of carrying a pistol, so he only was con- uh, he was only sent to a chain gang for thirty days. But this is where his story like really gets. Super I was gonna awesome. say, I know exactly what you're gonna because say. It's really cool. He's just like, see ya, and he just leaves he after like leaves. two days. He he escapes the chain gang. Two days into his mandatory service, whacking rocks, he slipped off when the guards weren't looking. Bolted out on foot. You got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Fled to the next county, changed his name, and went right back to being a day laborer um, and Boyd. playing music by night and He's laboring by Walter day. Walter Boyd. Now. Can you imagine? Like nobody's keeping track of anything, Emily, and you, you can just run to Contra you can just run county really quick. <laughs> it wouldn't even be that far. It's like me running to Calistoga and being like, "I'm Jane Doe," and just starting <laughs> over. And everyone's like, "Cool." I'm Walter Boyd. <laughs> Nobody's seen you before because you live too far away to walk, so we haven't seen you yet. So yeah, he he flees the chain gang. Uh. (laughs) So did you have anything between his next run in with the law and that? Because what all I have is like he was traveling around with you know this guy named Will Stafford, and Will Stafford was I think his cousin's 
husband. So I think it was his brother. This is the next thing I'm seeing yeah. too. So I just that he he's able to kind of lay low so in that doing next music, county. They're doing their the classic brothels, bourbon, band thing this that he's alliteration doing. Yeah, so no, good. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying yeah. to get lead, lead bellies, brothel, bourbons and beers or whatever, brothel, you know, like bourbon. What was the other thing? Like? Oh, you said and band brawls. And brawls. Brawling, bourbons and beer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Lead Belly is doing all the bees, and um, <laughs> apparently he and Will Stafford got into an argument over a young lady. No witnesses present. So it's his cousin's It's his, his cousin's, cousin's husband, husband is what I saw. Yeah. Okay. And he gets into an argument because, of course, Lead Belly and Will Stafford, they are not going to be honest to their wives at this point. So uh. one would... One wouldn't be surprised that they're arguing over a woman. I think they're both married, right? Yeah. And um, so Will Stafford ends up dead, shot to death. Uh, No witnesses. This is 1918. Yeah. I. I, So I'm. uh, Yeah. It's the details of this story are definitely. Well, um, there are no witnesses. There's no witnesses. But he's always maintained his innocence that he didn't do it. I thought. But there's everyone. I thought it was kind of like. The cousin's husband was doing some fucked up shit that maybe affected the cousin, and Led was kind of trying to. All I literally beat him all up I because saw of was that? that it was over a woman. I think it's over. I saw it was over a woman the that they both liked. Oh, That's I what I, saw. I had a different impression that it was um, his cousin is a female and. Maybe this guy's like beating her up or something. And he, yeah. Anyway, that's me trying to make him sound more heroic. No, I'm pretty sure they're just trying to hook up with some <sighs> lady. Sucks. Um, but he goes. Doesn't he go to his house? So, like I said, I don't have the details of this. Um, I I googled it and I didn't find it. But then I've, again, I was you know trying to look up a bunch of stuff about him. So I didn't any, dedicate a ton of time to so it. So anyway, they they get in a fight and uh, Lebelli well, ends up shooting uh, Will Stafford. Shooting him. Yeah. Yeah. Shot the husband dead and knocked of murder. some other guys unconscious. Um, yeah, he was convicted of murder. Oh, he knocked guys unconscious? That's what I'm seeing, but I oh, don't know Jesus. if this is... Um, I think, yeah, there was a, it was a big fight. And then, so he got 7 to 35 years is what I see in Texas? Yeah, 30-year sentence. Um, so he, I guess the, the minimum is like 7 to 30 or whatever. And so he was... <laughs> it's crazy that 7 for murder, but like, dude... I but mean, we both listen to a lot of true crimes. People get seven for like rape and murder sti- stuff, to this yeah. day. Yeah. And it's just like seven. What? That's not, that's fucking nothing. Yeah. And so gamble. It's like, are you going to gamble on the prosecution and the evidence? Or are you going to just take the safe bet and be like, oh, let's put him away for 10 years. And we have that plea deal and he'll be away for 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's like a lot of that. A great but, system we have. But with him, <laughs> just, just great. He maintained his innocence and he was convicted of murder. Um, 30 years. Did he never admit to it? He was just like, I, I didn't shoot that did, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hard labor on like Shaw state farm in Texas. So, okay. It was during this prison sentence that he gained the nickname lead belly. So we can talk about that. Yeah, so cool. I have a couple, I have a list of, uh, reasons why people think nice. he was named Lead Belly. Um, some because he was so tough, built like a wall of iron and muscle. Um, How big was he? And some say it's because he could drink moonshine Oof. like crazy, like he had a lead stomach, you know, like, so, and he could, because he could drink this fucking crit. Yeah. 
I can't imagine what moonshine's like, but I think it's like, what is that alcohol? Everclear? That's like crazy strong and just tastes yeah. like rubbing alcohol. It's just basically that. And he could just drink that and never have any problems, never get sick, never whatever, never pass out. Um, and then other disclaimers because he took a bullet to the stomach and survived, hmm. but that's just like, I don't know where that came from. Um, and then my favorite blues singer of all time, if you haven't heard him, check him out. He's just got this gorgeous voice. Big Bill Brunzi um, thought it came from a tendency to lie, um, lay down as as if, quote unquote, with a stomach weighted down by lead oh, in the so shade, like in the shade when the chain gang was supposed to be working. So he's got, you're like laying down, like you got it, you like your belly's full of lead. Um, and then another theory is that it's a corruption of his last name, which is what lead better, yeah. uh, pronounced with a southern accent, which I'm not gonna do. Come on, <laughs> give the people I'm what they want. I'm not gonna do a southern accent. Give the people what they want. So lead bet. So lead. Better. Hey, lead Betty. Lead better. Hey, lead better. Oh, lead better. I got you. Lead better. Lead better. Lead better. Yeah. So I don't know how that becomes lead belly, but that's just that's one of the entire southern. Everybody family. just fucking yeah. turns off their radios. They're like, nah. They're like this is offensive. Um, but speaking on his size, but I, I like all of those yeah. <laughs> ideas. Apparently, he was about six foot, one hundred and eighty pounds, is what I hear about his size. That's not not a big guy. It's not then. exceptionally big. No, no one eighty for a guy. Pretty I guess thin, for back actually. then it wasn't small though, because I know people were generally pretty short back then. Six six foot, yeah. Back then he was probably pretty tall. Yeah, he looks like a big guy in his uh, in all his photos. He has a lot of photos. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, so anyway, so where were we? So that's 1918. So he goes into jail, and yeah, so Lead Belly is starts to become his nickname. Funny enough, in jail, they're calling him Lead Belly in in prison. But he was arrested and prosecuted as Walter Boyd. So <laughs> he's going. And he was like, you guys, that was a fake name. I fucking lied. Sorry. <laughs> so it's like everyone's calling him Lead Belly after his real name, Leadbetter. But he was Walter Boyd when he got arrested, you know? And that was because he, he fled the chain gang, right? And he went to another county. Had to. And changed his name you to, you have to, to Boyd. Yep. And, uh, because you have to. So when he got arrested, they were like, what's your name? And he's like, my name is this. And they're like, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, bud. There you yeah, go. He's like, um, Can you imagine Walter. you get pulled over? It's like, what's your name? I'm just like, I you just yeah. make up a name. And they're like, all right, on your way then. We'll put it on your quote unquote record under this name. Yeah. It's like, all right. <laughs> You know, you're, you're being sent to prison, and they're like, what's your name again? And you're like, oh, Walter Boyd. <laughs> and they're like, totally. Uh, fucking Boyd, Boyd. Yeah. And nobody recognized him. It's funny. But anyway, so it looks like he's in the Texas State Penitentiary, and he somehow smuggles in a guitar, and he spends all of his time, because he has a lot of, I hear you have a lot of free time, um, playing songs for the guards and the prisoners. Yeah. Um, Dude, but, he, there's a lot of dark stuff that happens in this prison. He's oh, beaten a lot. Um, he's working on chain gangs, which is notoriously brutal. Texas pr uh, prisons would, uh, it was basically, a, you know, offset of slavery. They would, uh, whip them with bull whips and stuff oh, like big shit. four foot long whips, you know, like, Fuck. and, um, apparently he tried to escape again, failed. Mm -hmm. And, um, he tried to drown himself in a lake. Oh. He like ran into a lake trying to drown, drown, Fuck. <laughs> drown himself. Uh, but he was, you know, taken into custody. They, he didn't complete that act. Um, but then I think after like kind of a rocky first few years in prison, he started to really win over a lot of the prison guards and um, the yeah. governor especially. So, yeah, so the governor of Texas, who yeah. I don't see his name Pat here. Pat Neff. 
Nice. Pat Neff, yeah. um, so he gets word that there's a singing convict. And he wants to go see him, right? Yeah. So he goes and sees him. And then he starts bringing his family to go see this guy play. And well, he's just really impressed. Back in that era, when, when was this? Like the 1920s and stuff? This is going to be... So he got arrested in 1918. So it's going to be like the yeah, 1920s. This was still... There was like a very racially divided um, South, oh, obviously. For sure, yeah. But that being said, um, black entertainment was still immensely popular yeah. from white people. And I think it, you know, it started probably with like minstrel shows and stuff so it was kind of normalized like having you know um black entertainers was like very normalized in the south but there's still like heavy racism but it's not uncommon for people to seek out you know black entertainment entertainers in that era like lead belly and then be like oh my god this guy's incredible yeah Yeah. bessie smith's a great living in the 1920s um just as a singer which is so cool um so yeah, so um, six years into his sentence, Lead Belly writes a song asking the governor mm. of Texas for a pardon. I think that's adorable. And he gets it. He does. He gets a fucking pardon after six years for murder. They're mm. like, you know what? You're really good on guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I think You're, get out of here, man. Oh, get out of prison. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing in here, I man? I think it's get so funny that like, it's I think great. it's awesome and also like kind of the wrong moral like message to send. <laughs> like you can do whatever. Well, so he so correct me if I'm wrong here, but he he's almost like like a little encyclopedia of American blues music. No, absolutely, he is. So we can get on the tangent I do, now. I want to get into it in a little bit. Um, <laughs> But, but anyway, yeah, I think he, I think that might have been he, part of it. They're like, this guy knows all these songs that nobody fucking, well, think, no one's keeping Neff, track of. I think Neff was a fanboy. I think that's what happened. Is yeah. Governor Neff was just a fanboy. He was like, this guy's crazy. And he was like, oh, let's get him out of here. Let's huh? just fucking get him out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Just, so yeah. he gets him out of here. And he's, at this point, um, think about everything that um, Lead Belly's been through. He played brothels in Shreveport, which is a port town where people are bringing all of their cultures to this port town. You know, people right. from all over the world are coming here. So he's learning all this stuff, you know, yeah. whether it's like Mexican folk music, um, you European, know, um, Parisian, um, field, field work songs, yeah. church songs. He's yeah. just from the age of what, 13, 12, he's yeah. just taking in all this knowledge like a sponge. And then he goes to prison. And when he's in prison, that's where he learns a lot of those like chain gang songs. Like, yeah. take this hammer, you know, and they ha. do that thing yeah. ha. Ha. between everything because they're, they're all swinging at the same time. So yeah. it's in beat. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, really interesting and all obviously like pivotal to his growth and development. Like, I don't know if there would be a lead belly if there wasn't a prison, which yeah. is, no, you can always say part. like the nature nurture thing, you know, and some people might be like super offended that you, that I would say like, oh, well, if they didn't throw him in prison, he wouldn't be lead belly because it's kind of like how everyone was like really pissed about the whole Sansa quote in like the last season of Game of Thrones where she was like, oh, I wouldn't have become the woman I was if it weren't for all those, you know, assholes along oh, the way. Oh, people didn't like that? Oh. oh, people didn't like it because it made it seem like that if she wasn't like abused, oh, she wouldn't have become a powerful woman. God, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's like, so it's a little bit, digging it's a little, a little I think it's digging a little deep, but it's a little, it, you still can't ascribe like someone's talent to like their pain and misfortune you know i think that's a little unfair of me to do maybe a little bit but i think it is true that it shaped the musician and and also the fact that he could 
had all that time in prison to play guitar, play guitar. and learn these songs yeah. and memorize these songs. Like, yeah. what else are you going to do? He said, I, I read one quote where it was like he he would claim that he had about 500 songs in his head, in his brain. Yeah. Um, that he could just play, you know? Which is like a, a lot. F- which is a lot. <laughs> which is a lot. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and he's almost, it's, it, my impression was that he was almost kind of like obsessively like, trying to take songs that he'd heard that he didn't think existed anywhere and like get those um yeah in existence whether it be recording and so he gets um but the most important thing i think to remember about this time and this era is they're not learning these songs from the radio no one's learning no. these songs from the radio it's just from going out can if you imagine you, like how do you learn what's going on with music you have to go to downtown what yeah. would it be, San Francisco or Oakland or whatever? And you have to go in the bars and, and you, you have to listen guys, to You locals. hear these guys playing these Otherwise juke you don't joints get to hear and music, you're like, yeah. what song was that? Like, I remember my cousin telling me, and I should probably Google it because I'm not 100% sure it's true, but um, a lot of these blues players would play in, like, crazy tunings and they would, like, try to find ways to cover up their hands when they're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about this before. Because they didn't want people to steal their songs. Totally. Or, and they didn't want people to steal these things. So I think lyrics... Could you could just steal somebody's song? Words and stories and lyrics are the easiest things to steal because you yeah. can't really hide them because you're singing them, you know? And yeah. So people would have different versions of different stories with slightly different lyrics, you know? Yeah. And it was just like this really cool thing. Well, it but, creates um, these cool, like this cool phenomenon of like a theme around somebody like a John Henry character or whatever. And, um, but it's like, who wrote the song? And it's, yeah. does, I mean, well, does, it's like traditional it, American tr- folk traditional. Yeah. You'll see that all so the time. So some guy came up with that. Yeah. And it's like, it's anyway. It's it's crazy to me. I I know that Goodnight Irene, um, Lead Belly. He wrote that one. I heard. I, yeah. So I read that he learned it from his uncle. I I heard that he wrote it for. See, this is the other thing about it. <laughs> it's like no one really knows. Like this I I read that he one. Remember when I was talking about his like cousin dying or sister dying? Yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. Other, oh, we had a totally. And uh, the kids came and started living with him. Yeah. Apparently, one of the daughters was named Irene. So. Good yeah. night, Irene. I love the Tom Waits version of that song. Yeah. It's just like 10 Tom Waits <laughs> singing it. <laughs> oh, God, it's been a yeah. while. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have covered that. So after that, we get to, uh, we get him, he's released um, on Pardon, which is incredible. And then we get back to the palling around with Blind Lemon Part 2. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes back to uh, Mooringsport, um, and he's a trucker, um, He's still boozing and brotheling. The, he's doing all the bees. He probably brothels. has a wife, but we don't no, know. No, he anymore. I know he got hit at least four, so he's got to be rack, racking them up at some point. And they're probably somewhere. But oh wait, no, maybe he wasn't palling around with Blind Lemon Jefferson. Oh my bad. No, but it says at this time Blind Lemon Jefferson had become like pretty famous. Pretty and, famous. And was selling well. So I don't think he was palling around with him anymore. But he was like, damn it, if I didn't go to prison, I would have been just like old Blind Lemon. Oh, it's kind of like what happened with Toots and the Maytones yeah. and uh, Bob Marley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or like Toots a, got arrested. And that'd be a fascinating uh, rewind to do, too. Oh, we, well, yeah. maybe, maybe I'll shut know. up. And, mm, yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so then we're back out on the streets. He's, like I said, back to all the beads that he likes to do, brawling brothels and beers. <laughs> He's just doing that ba- whole and thing. B- band. And bourbon. B- 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 band. Yeah, doing music. Uh, <laughs> and um, music. He, be- he got in- involved in this crazy brawl. 1930. Um, yeah. And this is racial, I believe. Um, or that's what I see is that it was like a knife fight with I'm a bunch of multiple, white guys. I'm seeing multiple things. Yeah. But apparently he like beat a man 
almost to death, gave him permanent brain damage, and it was all because they tried to steal his his whiskey. So the bourbon <laughs> that can't have it. You got to brawl over bourbon. But there's, I mean, there's so much like deep, like the the amount of like racism and racial tension, like it something that sm- it can't be understated. It can't yeah. like it could be like, well, he stole a whiskey, and then they almost killed each other. But it's like, dude, there's so much, like just an underlining of just like this hatred and this just like tension that it's like uh, I could see that escalating extremely quickly but as it goes with most lead belly stories and facts it's like there's a bunch of different versions of it right and what I read was um, the court records they show that he was convicted of assaulting a white Salvation Army officer with a knife at a Salvation Army concert and this was after this the white guy told him to right. stop dancing. That sounds kind of like bullshit to me, but... We'll see. No. <laughs> I mean, we'll never know. We'll never know. But then, so he goes back to the Louisiana well, State he, Penitentiary. Well, he was right? in the Texas prison before. Right. Now he's in a Louisiana right, State prison. Right, because that, that, that fight, that knife fight was in New Orleans, right? Yeah. Okay. Sentenced to 10 years in 1930. And while he's in prison, um, he get stabbed in the neck. Yeah. Um, I actually re- I've saw multiple things about this too. Okay, so what what versions did you People see? People say that he got stabbed in the neck in the By neck during inmate, this right? this brawl where he was um, Oh, in the New Orleans brawl yeah, he yeah. got stabbed. Oh, I have that he And uh, then I also yeah. read that he got it in prison in and prison. then he almost killed the guy who stabbed him. He like him. pulls the knife out of his neck and starts like yeah. um so Let's just this get, gnarly this is, scar on this his is throat. where Lead Belly starts to get real stabby. It's, <laughs> it's right around 1930. I mean, that wasn't even that wasn't even his knife. Somebody stabbed him. Well, he stabbed this guy in this brawl. This uh, white no, that's guy. That's true. He seems to carry he, a knife. He uh, been, stabbed yeah. the white Salvation Army officer, and now he's. I mean, this was a revenge stabbing. Let's be honest. The second one was like uh, self-defense stabbing. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we'll we'll strike that one from the record. Only one real stabbing, one and a half kind of stabbings <laughs> for old lead belly so far. <laughs> there's like, f- there's like five in total. There's, there's a lot. A, he gets, there's, there's he gets lot. more stabbing. He gets more stabbing in there. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. But uh, yeah, again, this is a real rough prison. This isn't. I mean, prison's no cup of tea now, but it was. I think even worse back then. More poorly regulated and. You know, again, there's beatings, like constant beatings and uh, racial stuff. He got stabbed, like we said. There's like a lot of bad stuff. But um, about three years later, um, this guy named John Lomax um, showed up in his life. And I want to do a little brief bio on John Lomax because his story is like so connected to... uh, Lead Belly's story is so connected to what John Lomax was doing. So, essentially, what Lomax was is he was an English teacher, and he became fascinated with like cowboy music, is what he he would call it. And um, so he he would bring these songs to like his different professors. And one professor, George Kittredge, actually found that this was like a really important piece of the history. And he says, go out there and get this material while it can be found. The words and the tunes. Set down the dates of your recordings. The name of the singer where he got the song. Preserve the words in your music. That's your job. So that's what so the professor a, said to John Lomax. He's going to be a historian. Yeah. So he's someone who's 
curating this library of American folk traditional music that has never been recorded before. Oh man! So he, he finds starts, his his dream yeah dream guy yeah. is literally. <laughs> Sorry, I'll well, stop jumping his, ahead. That's what his professor says to him. Right. So the professor inspires him to actually do what he thought was just a stupid little project. So he ends up presenting the paper, Cowboy Songs of the Mexican Border, and he illustrated it with his own singing. And um, he, people loved it. It was a sensation. And um, it was published, and it was introduced by uh, President Teddy Roosevelt. That's badass. Um, it has some of those songs, Get Along, Little Doggies. Um, Sam Bass, Home on the Range. You might have heard of that one. Home on the Range. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love this This <laughs> this sentence. It's funny. It's like, they were collected from black cowboy informants. Ooh. Which tells me that he was getting these songs from like black musicians on the southern border. Yeah. Um, and he's calling them informants. <laughs> and it, okay. this publication actually just created this outcry for for folk music. Yeah. All throughout the nation. So he's elected, People Lomax is elected it. the president of American Folk Song Society, and he just starts traveling the country, just hops in the old van or truck or whatever and starts... He just Neat. starts, this is the yeah. 1930s, and he's like, I'm going to go find... you well, like 25 cool. miles an hour. S- somebody make a fucking movie about this guy. Oh, how has this awesome. not happened it yet? Be it could awesome. be like Ray, um, you know, one of those like biopics, but it'd be about this yeah. guy just traveling around the South finding like people like Lead Belly and oh, yeah. man, I would watch the shit out of that movie. Anyway, he, uh, he of course can't pay the bell- bills like this. So he has to work <laughs> for <laughs> Oh, being like a student basically? Like a, he's basically getting so his PhD. So of course he can't in <laughs> make money off this like Aww. anyone trying to do cool things in music. So Aww. he ends up working in a bank just getting his soul sucked from well, his body. that's bullshit. And in this strange like kind of circumstance where the most tragedy and like life beats you down sometimes you find your most true calling in the Lomax family he loses his job and his wife <gasps> at the same time in what? 1931 his son also loses his job Johnny Lomax Jr. and um, so Johnny Lomax and John Lomax why did his wife die? I didn't look into it oh, but yeah. I mean they're 64 so it could have been old age back then I guess I don't know oh they were yeah. oh he's in his he 60s was 64, oh I picture yeah. him younger okay so his son goes to him and says, you've got to start collecting folk songs again. What full an time. adorable you've gotta do relationship it. And he's have. like, I'll help you do it until I can find a job that pays. <laughs> is what <laughs> the son says. So he starts, they start traveling How around. How adorable. Um, this is a great movie. We're, we're, we're taking the rights right now. They start now. traveling around. And, they, and that's <laughs> no where he finds it. Lead Belly in, what is it? Uh, the Louisiana State Penitentiary. Was it Angola? Is that what it's called? Angola State Prison? Uh, I have Louisiana State Penitentiary. Okay. So who knows what it's called now? Um, I Angola. I have it. And so he's here. heard about this singing convict thing, um, and so he he comes and he hears uh, Lead Belly, and I think is this the first time that he ever gets recorded? Lead yeah. Belly. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, he record. He does two recording sessions. They come back, and um, at this point, um, he's he's just kind of using this pardon song pardon me or whatever it's called uh the one that called? he wrote it's, for uh, the texas governor please that pardon worked. me to the yeah. texas governor no, it was now, a good song. He, now he's giving it to the louisiana governor and he's trying do to do you think pardoned. that they know they're like no, you did this already <laughs> of course they don't know he's like i'm gonna use the same fucking song i'm not even gonna yeah. change the words <laughs> i'm just gonna so use the same song the same song that's and, great um, he's released coincidentally 
And um, officially he was released because the cost of keeping some prisoners was too high. That was why he was officially released. But he claims that it was because of the... Because song. of his yeah. dope Pardon Me song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yep. sure it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was Angola. Um, but so at this point, he writes a letter to Lomax and he's like, can you please hire me? Like he sends this really like broken English, like oh, <laughs> written so, letter. So Lead Belly Yeah, Lead Belly hits Lomax. up John Lomax and says, can I get a job with you? Well, dude, he's a lot, like I said before, he's Lomax's dream guy. He knows all these fucking yeah, songs exactly. and he can perform them really well. So yeah. now Lomax, who no shade on Lomax, maybe he's a great musician, but he doesn't have to, cause he was, what it sounds like before is that he was hearing these songs and then recording himself doing them. Well, that's what he originally did. And then he started traveling around actually recording people doing them. So and not so, just him. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So, and then, so the first is Goodnight Irene, the first song he records. Uh, I would have to look it up. And he records I've, a bunch of songs. Okay. But now he ends up Oh, being, you're right. Sorry, he starts working for Lomax. He's driving for him. He's like doing odd jobs, I think. And you just get this uh, buddy duo adventure story with Lomax and Lead Belly driving all over So 1934, and I'm so sorry for bringing up podcast math again, but 1934, he's 40-something. 1934, <laughs> he's 40 45? No, he's 30, 45? 30, no, he's 34, 35, yeah. 45. Because 40. he's born in 1880. Oh, yeah, yeah, 44, 45. 44, 45. Sorry, sorry to make us do math. Um, but yeah, so, really and, then, and then John Lomax really is in his hard. 60s. So they're actually not far apart in age. Um, no, he's like probably 12, 15 years older. But like he's that. driving f- f- for Lomax? Yeah, he's driving for Lomax. <laughs> okay. And at this point... And um, this is Depression era American South. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And he, so they go to New York. Ooh. And um, he starts being a recording assistant for Lomax. And then next thing you know, Lead Belly is just like this sensation in New York. Yeah. Especially among the political elite, the liberal elite. And this like, is the Harlem Renaissance, right? Um, I am not sure. 1930s, yeah? Yeah. All real quick look. but um, So he looked so intimidating and scary, Lead Belly does, that he's like, people are equally like scared and impressed about him. So like he's touring all these like high-end like elite he's colleges. He's playing the Apollo, right? He's playing the Apollo or maybe I'm lot. jumping ahead. But... Um, and he, he um, is contracted to write a book with um, Lomax called The Negro Folk Songs as Sung by Lead Belly. That would include life or Lead Belly's whole life history, um, the discovery by Lomax, background details, and of course his music. Is this Lomax? Yeah. He's cute. He's a stone fox. No, that's John Jr. Sorry, that's Lomax Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, we call him Johnny J. Johnny J. Johnny J. He looks like you know who he looks like. He looks like um, that. Uh, he looks like Logic. The oh. rapper, he does with the glasses. Yeah, does, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm on a tangent, but um, yeah, just oh, and then there's him and yeah. So Lead Belly has moved into like the socialites, like Connecticut apartment or house or something. Um, he's pretty famous at this point in New York. Like people are kind of bothering him. He's not selling records really because they're forcing him to do a lot of blues recording when really he should be doing folk music. And folk music is really his bread and butter. And this is when folk music is intensely popular. But people yeah. are still making him do blues music because they're kind of pigeonholing him as like, you know, a, 
a black guitar player singer. So they're like, so they're trying yeah. to get him to do that, bl- you know, Blind Lemon stuff, and that had kind of passed um, by the wayside like ten years ago. That wasn't like the trendy hip thing to be playing anymore. It was more folk music. Yeah. And this time, so 1930s yeah. in folk music is gonna be um, Guthrie, right? I mean. I, I'll get to Guthrie in just a second. I was going to say, you have yeah. a connection with Guthrie, so I don't So in ahead, Connecticut, um, he gets officially married to Martha Promise. And How so many? V- wife number? <laughs> I like, literally <laughs> lost track. I have no idea. I think it's like three or four. It's going to be three or three, four. Three, four hundred. All right. Four, five. I don't know. So <laughs> How many? So he ends up you know, getting married in this like crazy public ceremony in Connecticut. Oh, because um, he can finally, he can have this big wedding. Finally. Yeah. How he, cool. He records a tons <laughs> of song for the Library of Congress and um, they start trying to re- sell these songs again. They can't, they can't really sell them because it's not that, that really that, that rural blues market anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, so he never really sold a lot of money and there was like kind of like this money or sorry sold a lot of records so never had a lot of money and not only that Lomax was keeping all of the money and paying him and keeping him on a short leash so he wouldn't get in trouble so he's like kind of keeping the money but I don't think he's doing it to be a complete dick (laughs) he doesn't want Leadbelly to get in trouble or he doesn't want him to get in trouble he doesn't want Leadbelly to get in trouble by giving him a ton of money he kind of wants to keep him oh because he's a drinking fighting guy and he's like he's into all the bees like he's (laughs) the brothels yeah we already went over him but anyway I mean it's not it's not fair but I get it's not a bad strategy but it's also not his place to do that it's not his place to do that no so when Leadbelly starts discovering like the super cool like um, especially the black like underground New York scene with like this vibrant nightlife and all oh, these people, like, yeah. what he loves but yeah. he doesn't have the money to really revel in it because oh. he's not getting I mean he's getting money but not the type of money he wants so they end up souring their relationship. And of course, um, uh, Lomax is terrified of Lead Belly because he knows what he's capable of. So stabbing and killing people. Stabbing yeah. and killing and beating. And uh, yeah. yeah. So again, that sours. So Lead Belly ends up going back to Louisiana, completely destitute. Just so he leaves New York. Okay. Broke with Mar- yeah, he goes with Martha Promise, his millionth wife, and he just <laughs> completely broke. And eventually, they agree on a settlement um, with that book. Okay, um, but it was never really, it never really did well, and neither did Lead Belly. Can we still get our, our hands on this book? Or I'm sure, yeah. Oh, cool, because some of those again? things are just it's lost to time and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's called Negro Folk Songs as Sung by Lead Belly by John Lomax. So it might be out. I mean, I haven't Googled. I haven't looked it up. I'm sure it would be intense. Um, but yeah, there, at this point, he's just not doing so hot. Um, Lead Belly is broke again. Morale is low. Morale yeah. is low. He's almost 50. Aww. And this is like where he's really starting to um, play with more of these uh, pol- political factions. Um, these left-wing, like, political uh, yeah. factions. And he's doing protest songs. He's kind of just surviving on, like, basically, I think, government checks and, like, maybe occasionally doing some work here or there. Um, but they're not they're not wealthy at all. And the book isn't selling well, so even his, you know, agreement that he settled on isn't really paying off. 
jazz Shit. is now like the popular oh, no. style. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the devil's music. Jazz and swing is like super popular. And um, again, the, the folk tradition is mostly just political at this point. It's like a very political. And it stays that way through yeah. the 60s. With It's a very political yeah. thing. Um, so I think we're getting to the next um, 1939. Leadbelly is arrested for assaulting a man with a knife who he reportedly stabs 16 times. A little stabby. Do you want to elaborate on that? Because that, that's all uh, that I know. I, that's all I have, too. Yeah, like, we, we don't yeah. know where they are. We don't know why it happened. But 16 times is just one, two, three, four. It's a lot of times. That's a, a lot, lot of, of a times. Lot of times. Like, like, he yeah. wants to kill this guy, right? Um, so he's di- he's convicted of third-degree assault, which I'm like, shouldn't that be attempted murder? Maybe. <laughs> but so he's sentenced to uh, less than a year in prison for the assault. Less than a year in prison for the assault. Oh, my 16 God. 16 times. Stabbed. Yeah. And then uh, I guess uh, during his trial, he starts making his first commercial recording since 1935 um, for uh, Musicraft, which is a, co- a left-wing music company or a company with left-wing political affiliations. Um, so I did a little more research on the stabbing in 1939. Okay. And I just couldn't really find that much information except that it was in Manhattan. That's it. Right, and the guy lived, and the it was 16 lived. times. How did he get stabbed that many times? Maybe it was like a little... People get stabbed a lot a tiny of times little knife or something, you know? Was, I just think it depends on where and what, what the knife is hitting. Yeah, that's true. That's um, but fair. we won't get too gross into that. No, we're not, the, <laughs> we're not as stabby as... <laughs> this is his fourth prison sentence, I think, in 1939, yeah. and then he just serves eight months and is released back to New York City. Um, at the... Gr- during, oh, which would, um, this is kind of after, when does World War II end? Um, uh, 1945. Okay, so it's going on right now. All right. Yeah. <coughs> All right. So, um, at this point, I think this is when he makes friends with Woody Guthrie. Yeah, he, he just basically meets Woody Guthrie during in this uh, New York like folk revival scene. And um, he wants, he actually offers for him to live in his apartment. With uh, he uh, literally offers w- uh, Woody, Woody Guthrie, Guthrie to, to live, live in him. his apartment, which is with him, so cute, which is so adorable. Oh my god! <laughs> there's a great photo um, of there's them together, Woody Guthrie. Oh, and that's Led a great Billy. one. Oh, and then apparently yeah. they have some music together too, some recordings. Oh, totally. This is yeah. this photo is so I'm <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say the website I'm getting a lot of info from, but it's really funny and it's well written wikipedia badassoftheweek.com slash lead belly oh I saw that too yeah Yeah. so I I just like the way he writes it <laughs> it's very casual I but uh, he's got some really Belly's good photos hair in is so funny looking to me it's great I love his his outfit he's got that pinstripe suit with the yeah. bow, polka dot bow tie um, and that's gotta be white hair right yeah he's got white yeah. hair talking lead belly woody guthrie knife fighting blues he wrote a song called knife fighting blues huh I wonder why <laughs> uh, any experience? Huh, crazy, wild. You write what you know. You, know? <laughs> you just write what you know. Um, so, <laughs> so this, I mean, Lead Belly. After this, it, I don't think there's any real like. He's getting a little older. He's, he's mellowing out a little, out yeah. a little bit. He's yeah. chilling out a little. He's not doing great. Um, so he's 51. Goes to prison. New York. 44. 
So there's a whole, like, four years where not a whole lot goes on. I think he's just in New York, like, doing some folky stuff, you know. And eventually he moves to Hollywood. He goes to California, makes that California trip. Starts doing studio circuits. He wanted to work in movies, believe it or not. Aw. But uh, that it's didn't not, work out. It's not crazy. Yeah, he didn't doing, be- like, soundtracks for movies or something, um, maybe? He wanted to. He be wanted to w- have work in movies, so that's as far as they elaborated. I don't know if he wanted to be an actor or whatever, but um, he kind of kicked it around in you know Hollywood for two years, and then just went back to New York. And with Dixieland, kind of revives interest again in like quote origins music. Nice. So Lead Belly kind of has a little bit of a renaissance here in 1946. And then a book titled A Tribute of Huddy Ledbetter published in England. And then he was able to make more of a living just playing concerts. He uh, also at age 53, I know he registers for the draft to enter World War II, mm. but they never call him probably because of his age, maybe at age 53. Yeah, at age 53. Yeah. He registers well, I mean, yeah, he's the, too old. He's too yeah, old. So they're but I mean, that's cool that he. Yeah. He tried. Um, I don't think you try to register for the draft. I think you have to. I mean, sorry. If you're yeah. A ma- yeah, if you're a male, you have to. So, Isn't there an age cap? Yeah, I, I, my girlfriend was being really mean to me. And <laughs> I was like, they wouldn't even want you for a draft. And I was just like, <laughs> I'm not that old. They'd want me. You're not that old. Apparently, the cutoff's young. like 28 or something like that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he, um, let's see. da da da, da. And then, oh, I, I read something else that I that I hadn't said that was that he uh, he didn't so he plays a twelve string right and he doesn't uh, tune it to a standard E he just tuned it to itself so he just like kind of mess around with it like by ear and just make yeah. it sound right so he's like so that's kind of an aspect of his music that makes it a little that's interesting off and like haunting yeah. and then he just adjusts his voice to whatever he's singing and that's yeah. also just shows his like. Um, what's the word? His, Not his instinct, pitch, like but he, yeah, his yeah, pitch is really good because he can just play a, a guitar that's kind of off and just sing the same songs, but and yeah. they sound right, but they're going to be wrong. Um, and then Bob Dylan uh, once says about Lead Belly, uh, one of the few ex-cons to ever record a children's album, a successful children's album. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll kind of, we'll kind of, um, let's see. So he is diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease in, I'm seeing 1949. That's what I saw, yeah. Oh, um, in France. Oh, yeah. So He's ALS. touring Europe. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is just awful. I've read a book uh, about, it's written by a son whose father uh, got Lou Gehrig's and passed away from ALS, and it's like the long journey, like the long decline, yeah. and it is devastating disease. Totally. It's a devastating disease. It's just everything it's starts a, to slowly shut down. It's a quick Wikipedia thing. Down. It's a nervous system disease that weakens muscles and impacts physical function. Shout out, um, I can't remember the name of the author, but Home is Fucking Burning is the name of the book, and it's really fucking good. It's it's a it's a memoir about taking care of his dad and it's but it's 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 rough. Oof. And uh but yeah, so I um yeah, ALS is I, I it's just no sounds bueno. like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. yeah, like your your vocal box eventually shuts down so you're just like anyway, so yeah, everything just shuts down. So he um You're trapped but your brain functions normally. That's right? the worst part. So you're, so like you're trapped, trapped in your body. It's really yeah. really, really fucking uh horrifying. Um I wanted to get this uh Dan Marshall is the guy who wrote that book. It's great. Anyway, um, 
So um, he dies very soon after. He six dies months. quickly after yeah. that, at the age of sixty-one. Um, and then one year after his death, Pete Seeger's band, The Weavers, record "Goodnight Irene," um, and make a ton of fucking money off of it. Damn it! <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> Damn it! And then a decade after Lead Belly dies, his arrangement of "House of the Rising Sun" is covered by. I believe the animals. The animals, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Eric they burden in the animals. Yeah, and then they do. Uh, they do really well with that song. Too, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's a life-size statue of him um, in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, oh, this is uh, the home of the brothels, bourbon, and yeah. So they they made a big statue kind of, of him. They're proud of him. And then yeah. uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What's Inducted the word? Him Inducts him in. Late. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it was a hundred years after his birth, 1988 or 1989. Yeah, that's a long because time. Because we don't know when he was. I think 88 is when he, 1988 is when he was in the. I wonder when um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame started though. And then so. Like, for example, Midnight Special, just as far as people that have covered him. Bob Dylan's covered that. CCR, obviously. Elvis, ABBA, Pete Seeger, Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole, Johnny Cash, Tom Petty, Dr. John, Ry oh, rest Cooter. rest in peace, Dr. John, by the way. Rest in peace, Dr. Yeah, John. Yeah, just passed away. Uh, Grateful Dead, obviously Odetta, Van Morrison, the Beach Boys have covered him. Um, just everybody yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom Waits obviously yeah, records Waits. Goodnight Irene um, obviously uh, one of the big ones is Nirvana covers um, Where Did You Sleep Last Where Night Where Did You Sleep Unplugged. Last Night um, and then Bull Weevil is well, covered the, by the White Stripes The, yeah. White Stripes, yeah. the Ballad um, of the Bull Weevil and Meatloaf and <laughs> your favorite. You love me. Though. Um Rory Gallagher, uh, who I really love, covers out on the Western Plain. Red Hot Chili Peppers also cover that. Um, Meat Puppets cover Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Keith Richards. And then the one that surprised me today um was Led Zeppelin covers a song called Gallus, G A L L I S Pole. Which they changed to Gallows Pole. Oh, so, yeah. And that's Gallus a Lead Belly song. The Lead Belly song, I guess, is Gallus Pole. So yeah, that's just like a little yeah, every, I know everybody that a lot has of covered Lead him. Belly, like what he'll do is misspell things a lot, <laughs> like because he wasn't very oh, educated. Oh, I got you, I got you. So, um, like when he wrote the letter to uh, Lomax about where he was gonna be, it was like it it wasn't the exact name of the city. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like the familial name of the city. You know? Oh, cute. Yeah. Aww. It'd be like if I was like, yeah, I'm in Concord today, and I spelled it like. C-O-N-Q-U-R-D or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, he does like that kind of <laughs> stuff a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, uh, Lead Belly. And th- do you want to touch anything else about uh, Lead Belly? Or um, are you feeling pretty good? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, wrap it up. He was a brilliant... Um, a brilliant singer, songwriter, but mostly just like an encyclopedia for American folk traditional music. Yeah, that's the that's it's the real an, takeaway. Yeah. And he was writing a lot of, um, like he writes songs about stuff that's going on, almost like political songs. Like uh, uh, he wrote a song about Hitler. Yeah, I saw that. Wrote that was, a song, yeah, about Roosevelt, Roosevelt um, Howard Hughes, uh, Jack Johnson, not the... The Hawaiian guitar player, but <laughs> hey, man, that guy's from Santa Barbara, okay? Uh, the boxer Jack Johnson, yeah, um, and then yeah. um, and so he, yeah, he was sort of just like this little historical, uh, like a so they they don't call him like a walking encyclopedia, but as far as like American like roots music, um, he was just sort of the brain of that, and and it's so I feel like it's so lucky that we were able to, you know, pull these songs out of his 
mind and get those on wax and on but, tape yeah, because otherwise those songs are thing. lost. And the think of how many songs thing. are lost. And if it wasn't for the work of not only Lead Belly and remembering all these songs and playing them and performing them, but also the work of John Lomax to discover these people. Yeah, how cool that guy and his yeah, his beautiful his son. money discrepancy, but if you were to say like, oh, Lomax an asshole because of this money discrepancy with Lead Belly, just think about how many fights Lead Belly's been in his life and think about maybe maybe <laughs> there's there, a, there's another example of that of somebody withholding money cuz they're worried about this yeah. person like ODing on drugs or something. Yeah. I, can't, I can't remember which artist it is, Might but it's not Joplin. the first time it... Yeah, because it's like, oh shit, if I give her all this money, she's going to go buy a bunch of heroin. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just be kind to John Lomax's memory because I think that even though his there was like a little... Him. Yeah, I think his intentions for the most part were good. And even if they were negative, you still can't... It doesn't undo all of the incredible work he did for How this cool. music yeah. tradition and memory. And like, we wouldn't have these songs. We literally would not have these songs in our existence. Maybe, probably, if it weren't for John Lomax and the work that he did. Yeah, I, I, I believe that. So he's a really important character. How too. wonderful that they found each other, you know? Yeah. And even though it was a short lived kind of um, partnership, it was still, you know, so fruitful for us. And, and Lead Belly, people listen to him all over the world today. He's more famous, obviously, now than he was when he died. And it's just an incredible story of someone who has, like, this crazy, violent, alcoholic, you know, deprived kind of lifestyle that he lives. Because, obviously, he's drunk probably the majority of the time, I'd imagine. Well, he's got like, a lead belly, you know. He's got a lead belly. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting married. <laughs> he can drink that moonshine. A million times. Five knife fights. Like... This guy has been through everything, but all through it all, he's still just an incredible singer, songwriter. He's got a and gorgeous and voice. And a musicianer. Just a and musician. a musicianer. Yeah. yeah. Let's bring that word back. We're bringing it back. Yeah. Um, all right. I, yeah. I mean, I wish we could play a track. Like, if we could play Goodnight Irene. Oh. It's like the most haunting recording I've ever heard in my stuff. life. I might play some stuff in the, uh, in the recording that we do because technically I don't think it's um, public domain to use it because it was recorded after 1922. And that's the cutoff in the United States. Okay. If, I, if we were a European base, we could do it. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. we are in Europe right now. Who no knows? one needs to know. But anyway, let's just kind of wrap it up with a little bit of Radio Keys news while we're, since we're almost done here. We um, we're going to take a little bit of a break, I think, because um, Emily and Tom are going to New York, and I'm going to um, Santa Barbara and to help Amber. Um, well, she's graduating. Go so to I'm her gonna, graduation and yeah, then help so her move. Yeah, go to her graduation yeah. and then... And then help her move, and also driving a car out to Chicago for. That's gonna be fun. You guys will have fun in Chicago. Yeah. Go to that art museum, man. It is so. It's one of my favorite art museums mm, that I've been to I in the United I, States. Yeah, I think I went that one time. It's that got, we got the big, trapped uh, in Chicago. We got trapped in Chicago for yeah. twenty four hours. That was or something. super fun, though. It turned out to be. Oh, one it was of great. Our, yeah. We got deep dish. Um, everybody was really nice. I remember just quickly we went to this like Seven Eleven type store um, to get like a bottle of wine. And uh, it was fucking pouring rain. We were wearing we, trash bags. We well, no, we, we we walked in, and this lady at the Seven Eleven type store sells us this bottle of wine, and then she's like, 
and we were like, oh yeah, we're staying in a hotel. And she's like, do you have a wine opener? I'll open it for you right now. So she like opens the wine for us. And I'm like, wow, thank you. Okay. That's really cool. Um, and then she's like, and then she's like, do you guys have like, uh, like any, she's like, it's raining. Do you guys have an umbrella? And we're like, no, but it's okay. Like we'll just get rained on. And she's like, no, we'll, we'll make you some ponchos. And she gave us those trash bags oh, and we wore right. them like she ponchos. Them, yeah. And I was like, I was like, everyone in Chicago is so nice. Yeah. Like everyone at the restaurant was so nice. There was so like nice. a bunch of like, drunk people that walked by us and they're like, hey, everybody. <laughs> what's going on? Everybody was just so it's goddamn wet friendly. out here. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's like the, the Amsterdam of the United States. Yeah. That's, when I was in Europe, that was the place where everybody's like, hello. Everyone just talks to you in the street and just smiles and waves at you. And you're like, wow, this is like weirdly yeah. friendly. But shout out to, uh, also shout out to uh, West Grand Brass. They recorded oh, yeah. for us on four tunes. So we're still working on our album and we're uh, getting through it. We just recorded all of the horn parts for the album. So that's another positive step. It's on like three songs. Four right? songs. Oh, four nice. Songs. Four. And cool. um, they absolutely murdered it. It was like this experience where I went in there and I kind of had a little bit of an idea. Like for Stumbling and um, Hey Charles, we pretty much already had parts. Yeah. Like from our old recordings. Right. And just to elaborate on those a little bit. Mm -hmm. So they did those pretty quickly. And then right after that, they ended up doing uh, sweet soul music. That's lit. And they oh. did, and I kind of explained to them my vision for it. I was like, "There's like, I want like these horn stabs, stabs in this part, yeah. and where it's like ding, 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 yeah. and it, like kind of like fifties yeah. style." Oh, I'm so stoked. And so they did it. They nailed it. Like they nailed it the first time I gave the idea. They were just like, "Oh, kind of like this," and I was like, "Yeah, just like that, actually." And then yeah. they're doing like a Dixieland thing. In some of the in the chorus and like the the acapella parts, they're oh, doing like so a little excited. Dixieland thing. They're such they're such good players. Yeah, and, then, and such uh, good guys. And then in the very end of "Don't Come Back Home," they just have like this slowly oh, nice. building like horn That's part. exactly what we wanted. So yeah. it, it, it sounded it, oh, we I recorded it all in about five hours, and it sounded really that's good. Insane yeah. that you can get that much done from writing and recording it in five hours. But uh, so that's we're working on that. We're aiming for September, but we'll I see. Think we got to get is where we should try to get. We got to get a great, name and then some album artwork is all the hardest part. I'm thinking of too. I it's it's Getting always music down's the it's easy part. always <laughs> on my mind, not just the name but especially like the visual. Like I'm constantly trying yeah. to think of visuals. I've been chatting with Carrie about it. Look at a lot of like album covers too. See what yeah. other people are doing. Um there. and uh Maybe, maybe try to work some. Anyway, I'm gonna figure it out. But we're gonna come out with something good. Yeah, we're uh, we're taking a little break from playing live for the next. Only I guess two about weeks, really. A little over two weeks. It's um the next show we have is the 28th at the Milk Bar in so San it's Francisco. Two weeks from Friday. Yeah. Okay. And then the 29th we have Old Princeton Landing and where is that Half Moon Bay? Half Moon Bay. Yeah, Half mm -hmm. Moon Bay. Saturday night. So those That'll are our next fun. two shows and. Uh, we're just going to keep searching for that sweet, sweet soul music. Soul.